offense comes off, you know, the 12 plays is 12 plays. You're tired. Kick the ball off. Next play is a turnover. You got to go back out. <laughs> right. You know, so you got to, you know, you got to find ways to prepare it on and off the field. You know, some guests really need no introduction. But in case you're unfamiliar with Joe, Big House Ken, let me fill you in real quick on this guy's rap sheet. He's a 30-plus year vet of the strength and conditioning game. He's worked and had success at every level of physical preparation, from high school to the pros. And that illustrious career includes a nine-year stint with the Carolina Panthers in the NFL and a trip to Super Bowl 50 along the way. And to my knowledge, he's the only coach to be named NSCA Strength Coach of the Year at both the collegiate and professional levels. So needless to say, I'm pretty sure he knows a thing or two about SNC. But beyond that, Joe is not just a great coach, but someone I consider to be a great friend and mentor as well. We worked hand-in-hand for years, developing our elite athletic development seminars, which literally helped thousands of coaches across the globe take their game to the next level. Now, when Joe mentioned via text message that he hadn't been on for a year or two, how could I resist bringing him back on the show? This guy is such a wealth of knowledge, and every single time we get on the phone, I walk away pumped up, motivated, and ready to get back in the gym and coach. Now, in today's show, we take a roundabout approach to discuss several key topics. Because if you know anything about Joe and I, we both like to talk. First off, we discuss what he's been up to the past couple of years, and what he's taken and learned since he's moved out of coaching full-time. Perhaps most importantly, we talk about the areas that Joe thinks are useful for up-and-coming coaches, and where he's spending his time learning now. Next, we talk about his latest foray, coaching world's strongest man competitor Brian Shaw, and how you should always be learning and pushing yourself to grow as a coach, regardless of how long you've been in the game. And last but not least, we talk about the evolution of strength and conditioning as a whole. For instance, how do we merge sports science and physical preparation? What things should you have on your radar with regards to data, sports science, and tech as a whole? Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, as you can imagine, this is not only a fun discussion, but there are a ton of key insights in here as well. But before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a very quick recap of the week that was and what's new in my neck of the woods. So as you know, last week finished up, kids are all done with sports. Cade finished up with baseball. He absolutely crushed it this year. So proud of the development I've seen in him, the guy is fast, he can hit, he can throw. We got to work on the fielding and the defense a little bit. We definitely saw that in our final tournament game, but it was just one of those days. Not one kid on our team fielded well. So need a little bit of work there, but all in all, definitely a successful campaign this year. And I'm excited to see him get back out there in fall ball because big step up there, not only is it a big step up because now he's in the third, fourth division, but he is also into kid pitch. So really going to be interesting to watch over this next six months as he gets more into baseball. So excited about that. Kendall finished up uh, her track season. Didn't run the way she wanted in the 100. There's some, some technical things that she needs to work on. I think she's aware of now. 
but didn't have the 100 day that she wanted, but had a great long jump day. Uh, I think she added close to two feet to her previous PR, so she was definitely pumped about that, and it's just fun. I've really seen her grow up a lot with regards to competing, with her self-confidence, and how she's been performing either on the track or on the soccer pitch over the last month or two. So definitely excited to see that as well and continue to see her growth and her development. So kids sports are done. As far as the athletes go, man, athletes are absolutely crushing it right now, man. I got a handful of guys that are in and out either for individual workouts. A couple guys are in for mini camps. Summer league is literally right around the corner. I mean, I love that about basketball. NBA finals aren't even done yet, and we're already talking about summer league starting up here in just a couple weeks. So if you are a basketball junkie like me, you love the fact that you know there's some sort of basketball and high-level basketball being played basically year-round. So with all that being said, free agency is right around the corner. I'm excited to see where these guys are going to land because they have worked so hard this offseason. I don't think most people understand or respect the fact that basketball and any professional sport, for that matter, is a grind. Like, there's a lot of work that that's involved, and you know, yeah, you might get a week or two off when the season's over, just like you or I would take a one or two week va- vacation throughout the course of the year. But as soon as they're done, they're right back into their off season workouts. I mean, these guys are working so hard, not just in the gym, but on the court, and I'm really, really excited to see them play here in just a couple weeks. So the athletes are doing great. Then last but not least, this is hard to believe because I feel like I've been talking about it for months now, but I leave today for Slovenia. So when you're listening to this, I'll already be there. But, you know, I'm leaving today. Definitely excited. Love Matej, his gym, his his whole crew, the culture there. I just really enjoyed my last trip there. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat it, but I'm definitely going to try because I just really want to give not only a great event, but a memorable event and an event that's going to help change the lives of the trainers and coaches that show up there. So definitely excited to travel, excited to see Matei and his team, excited to hopefully give back to all of the attendees. And so that's going to lead me to my last point. You know, since I'm leaving today, uh, my wife said, hey, you know, over the weekend, why don't you take the kids for a day and go do some fun stuff, go do a yes day. So, you know, we go downtown and there's this pretty cool little place called the Cat Cafe. And basically you can have coffee and you pay like $5 per person or whatever and you get to go in and there's a bunch of sheltered cats. So these cats have been adopted from other places or they've been pulled from shelters and it's basically like you get to hang out with them, you contribute to the shelter with your fee and obviously it's a shelter so they're trying to house these cats. So you can already imagine where this is going. We're sitting there and all of a sudden, Kendall's like, oh my gosh, this cat is so cute, and it's curled up on me, it's curled up on Kendall, it's curled up on Kate, it's just the sweetest cat. Well, what do you think happened? You know it, I brought a cat home. <laughs> so, husband of the year material right here, I'm you know, leaving for a week to go travel Europe, and I brought a three-month-old kitten home. But Cannoli, as they named him, his name is now Steve. Steve the kitten is amazing. He is the sweetest little guy. He's got the just most awesome personality. So we're excited to have another team member here at Team Robertson. So that's it, man. That's enough for me. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Joe Kim. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Exerfly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, 
It's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the Exerfly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1 up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, but really aren't all that functional, or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the Exerfly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy, and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the Exerfly. The really cool thing is Exerfly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget, I can't afford it, because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36 month interest-free financing, so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30 day money back guarantee, two year warranty and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this, if I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my Exerfly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. House man, great to have you back on the show. It's been more than a minute, it's been too long. For somebody that's been living under a rock for like the last 30 years, give me give me a short who you are and what you're all about. All right, I'm going to start it off like this. For the 16%. (laughs) (laughs) It's the greatest tagline on the history of Instagram. Yes. But for the other 84% too. So (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I've been in the game now overall. I think this is, what, 33 years or? Yeah. Pretty, yeah, something in that area. Not 35 for sure. Somewhere in that 32 to 33 years in the space. Been very, very fortunate. You know, like my growth has been through, you know, like right now, I was telling somebody earlier today, I've coached 10-year-olds to all pros. And in the next few years, I might be able to change that to say I've coached 10-year-olds to Hall of Famers because we've got several guys that I was fortunate to coach at the NFL level who are going to be gold jacket recipients at some point in their retirement, however they the age goes up and the five-year yeah. windows and stuff like that. So it's been really, it's been really a great journey to have the ability to train those types of different ages, as well as be at the high school setting, the college setting, the professional setting and the private setting. And you know that we've had enough discussions that, especially for those who've never been in organiz- 
organized or organizational type trainings or school systems. You know, that's one of my, you know, kind of my debates is you have these private sector coaches who are extremely uh, intelligent, do a tremendous job in their training. And they'll always say, well, if I was coaching that team, I would be doing this. And what you find out a lot of those guys, and we know one of them, uh, you know, Lauren Landau. And I think it's okay that I say his name because we've talked a lot about it. And I told him when he got the job, I said, Lauren, you got time restraints. You got rules and regulations yeah. that, you know, it's like, you know, these extensive warmups that you hear some of these private sector facilities doing, you know, we're going to do 45 minutes of this. Well, I've only got you for 45 minutes. So, <laughs> right. So I think that what you learn is in a, in the organizational setting, you learn condensing, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the private space where there are no rules and regulations of time, you understand how to expand things that really can do the, the athlete individually a better service, if that makes sense. Yeah. So those, so those are things that I think that uh, people need to understand. Like, don't talk about a position you've never been in because you'll, you're going to get exposed in different ways. Uh, like for me, in the private sector, I have a lot more intricate things that I have to learn because in the team setting, there's a lot more generalization because of time. Yep. So you've got to be a little bit more different in your pool selection exercises and things like that. So that that's that's been a that's been fun for me to be able to manipulate through the different genres or the disciplines of different levels and private versus university settings or high school because I can speak both languages and not be uh, I don't you know uh, not be a fraud like say well I've worked that area right like I've right. worked that space and I understand. And I've worked both of them. So I, I I just feel like a lot of times when you're listening to coaches, just realize their situation isn't your situation and neither is yours theirs. And I think that's a good way for people to understand that there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Like you see it every day, right? Like, man, that's cool. How do you put it in? I don't, yeah. you know, and then, hey, that's really cool. But, hey, man, I only got this much time in a day to do things. And most guys don't want to be there anyway. So as soon as that clock says punch out time, they're punching out. Right. In the, in the private sector, if they're there working with you and they're paying out of their pocket, then they're willing to invest that time. So it's a lot different. So I, I've been fortunate to stay in that space. And then, you know, a few years ago when my contract expired and was not retained at the Panthers, I was very fortunate to jump into this role with dynamic fitness and strength. You know, Kurt and Tammy Tambernino, you know, really opened their arms to me and brought me in into a very cool role of a combination of being an ambassador for their for their uh, excuse me, for their equipment, as well as to be able to still be involved from the coaching standpoint of, you know, going to clinics, being able to meet with coaches and and continue to establish the relationships that were that are huge in this space. And then. You know, from there, I mean, we've been I've been doing a lot of cool stuff and trying to stay relevant. You know how hard that is. And yeah, and and trying to be a mentor and a champion to younger strength coaches that are in a we're in a we're in an age now where it's not what it was when I started. And 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 a lot of it's good, right? Because we've progressed the the yeah the field and the disciplines and the way things have expanded and 
how many more roles and opportunities they are to work in college athletics or team athletics or even in private practice. But then there's things that are still going on from, say, uh, job description-wises, salary-wises, uh, choices that younger strength coaches have to make because administrators and coaches that have done it for a while forget how the evolution of these jobs has changed entry-level type positions. Yeah. So th those are things that I think a lot of younger strength coaches that have to make choices of internships versus grad school, we didn't have to do that because – we just went to grad school and had, a, and that was a built-in internship. Yep. Well, now with Power Five schools going so in depth with full-time strength coaches, the the elimination of the graduate assistantship has really changed the way we have to write job descriptions. You know, when we came up, it was masters plus two. That's easy, right? Because we all had to be a GA, right? There were no full-time jobs unless you were the head guy. Yeah. So master's plus two was easy. Well, now it's not because there's not a lot of those jobs available, especially at the larger levels. Yeah. Right. So now you have these opportunities for a young strength conditioning coach coming out of undergrad. What do I do? Do I go for the experience or do I go for the education? And depending on who you talk to is going to, is going to help determine which way you go. For me, Go get the experience because nowadays you can always go back to school, yeah. especially online. Yep. And because you need the experience. And, and that's where if you know you're going to be a strength, like my son was very fortunate that he knew early what he wanted to do. And there was pressure on him following, you know, me and, but okay. If, if you already know, then there, you know, like we always talk about, we talked about this in some of the presentations that we did together is, you know, there is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. So yeah. this is what you need to do. You need to be ahead of the curve for what your age is or what your chronological age is. So where kids get out of undergrad and don't know that they needed to do internships to be a strength coach, now you're 22 years old and you're going out to do your first free internship. Well, you can't get a job because you know how those internships are. And then you got to worry about, oh, well, I need to go to grad school. Well, if you don't, if you, who's paying for that? Right. If you're doing a free internship, you can't get a job. Now you're taking out loans and it get, you know, it's a whole conversation, a podcast for a different day. But like in my son's case, okay, summer of your freshman year, you're doing an internship with Carolina Panthers and Wake Forest. Yep. <laughs> you know, the next year you're working with Geno Pierce down at Friggin' yeah. Performance Course. The next year you're working with Geno Pierce down at performance course, you know, the next year you got COVID, you come back and you work for me in my private facility. Yep. You know, so then he's got, he gets his master's because he was a fifth year. Then he gets a second master's because he got a COVID year. And then he does an internship with Appalachian state football. He does an internship with Iowa state Olympic sports while he's in school. So now you graduate with two masters and you've got enough experience, paid and volunteers, that sets you up with a with an with a chronological age that says you're this, but an experience age that says you're this. Yeah. I mean, no one. And and I and I'll say this too. Uh, and I think this is where Springfield College does a good job with a lot of their stuff. But like when at when when Adam Fight worked for me, he was 25 years old with a resume that looked like he was 35. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because of all the opportunities, the internships, the jobs that he was able to acquire because he was a good strength coach and it was and he was sharp and he had drive, put him in a position where he was beating his birth certificate. Like he yes. was getting opportunities that a lot of people were like, how's this guy getting an opportunity? Who's he know? Well, he may know somebody, but look at that resume. Yeah. Because the, the resume is jammed packed with quality, quality uh, internships and, and jobs that he's had. So yeah. that's the that's the tough thing is if you don't really know what space you want to go in, you know, like, again, you get to this point and you want to be a researcher, then you got to go get your master's and do a thesis. Yeah. If you want to be a coach, you need to go get, learn how to coach. Yeah. So those are the things that I'm trying to bring up. And I brought some of that up last year when I did a couple of presentations on lessons of a vet, veteran strength coach that we all got to be aware of the the really hard stressful decisions that these young kids got to make that we didn't have to make right it was really simple for us hey man i want to be a strength coach okay i'm going to go to ball state work for you know wade russell and i'm going to get my masters in two years of strength coach experience and if i want to go into that space when i'm ready i'll do it Right. You, Wenning, Pete Bomarito, all those guys who were down there in that ball state area. Yeah. Me, me was, I did it a little different. I needed a break from school. I went to Wake Forest, pretty tough academic school. And after four and a half years, man, I was not ready to go back to school. So I was fortunate that I landed a high school job where I didn't have to teach. And I was able to just coach football, be a strength coach, and be a dorm supervisor with my wife because we were getting married. Yeah. Uh, not so much that I was looking to be a high school coach. And I'm glad that I did do the high school space because I learned a lot. And I actually learned that I could coach because that was my biggest, I don't want to say fear, but my biggest, like, here I come. I said, I've put all of my breath, you know, all my food in this basket saying, I want to coach. And now I'm walking out there. Like, what if I can't coach now? What <laughs> am I gonna do, right. Right. So that was a great experience for me. I learned a lot there and then, you know, got back into college space and then I made my moves and, you know, Fortunately, I've had a really good run and I've been able to experience a lot. And a lot of people feel like I've done some innovative stuff that has carried across the the realm across the United States with some of the programs I've developed. And that's kind of a humbling experience because, you know, I, everything I did was to take care of the athletes. Yeah. And I was very fortunate that people believed in it so much that when I presented it, it made sense to more than just me. Yeah. And now, you know, some of that stuff, I mean, you know, my the tier system's known around the world, as you know, and Block Zero dominates a lot of the high schools and, and college uh, entry-level programming, and, and it's built on its own. You know, it's very organic, but the term Block Zero is originating, you know, from what we did at Arizona State. Yeah. And with the guys that helped me do that, you know, Mark Uyama, Ben Hilbert, Fight, Brian Dermody, Joe Conley, uh, Josh Storms. I mean, a, a bunch of those dudes, man, uh, Leanne Blinn, uh, Christina DeSantis, and, and, and just people like that who were, they were all in because we would take, our, our number one goal was, you know, care for those athletes, even though when they didn't think we were caring for them, <laughs> we, we were caring for them. And, that, and that's the big thing is uh, understanding, understanding your role, right? My, you know, my, my role yeah, everybody wants the limelight and sometimes you get it, but really our roles are, you know, we're the shadow role. Yeah. Hey man, we're, we're just a part of the team. And, you know, like I've been saying for a while now, you know, my goal is to, you know, do whatever I can for that athlete to achieve their goals, not for them to help me achieve mine. And because in the end, if they win, we all win. Right. Yes. 
you know, if, if your guy's standing on the podium and he's got a smile on his face or she's got a smile on his face, we all got a smile on our face. Yep. And if you don't help them achieve their goals, you're going to take it very hard because in the end, failure is on me and yeah. success is on the athlete. And it's like anything else. I think, you know, a lot of times in strength and conditioning, you've seen it where a lot of times strength coaches will be like, I don't know why I'm fired. I did my job. They were stronger than they were ever. Mm -hmm. They were faster. Well, then if they were that much stronger, that much faster, and they still, something was missing. Like, what? where where was the disconnect? Right. Like, why did that happen? Because, and that's what I said to people, You, if you work with a team sport, then you signed up for winning. Yes. So you signed up for it. So when y'all get fired, hey, that offensive line coach who had two All-Americans got fired too. You don't think he did his job right? Right, right. So you just got to be you got to be watchful of of how things go on. And again, it's like, and I think I've learned this both ways because I've been on both ends. I've been out of a job, and I've taken I've gotten a job when someone else has gotten fired. Yeah. And you know, this day in social media, you see a lot of times too where. Somebody you may know or somebody with some name recognition gets a big job, right? Yep. Gets a professional job. And everybody's like, oh, you're going to kill it. You're the man. <laughs> hoop, 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 right? But yet, what about the four dudes who just got fired? Yep. So, and again, I'm, you know me, man. I'm a, I'm an asshole or whatever, you, you know. I can be that guy too. But, like, when you're in it, you got to have a you gotta, gotta have a little compassion and a little, you know, you got to – Hey man, there's a, there's the other side of the coin. Yes. You know, like, and again, and I don't, and I don't fault anybody for taking that opportunity, especially in professional sports. I mean, there's only what 30 NBA jobs, Yeah. 32 NFL jobs. Yeah. What's it? 30 something baseball jobs. Is it I'm yeah, not something super, like that? Okay. So that's an elite job. Yeah. There's only 32 jobs in the world and you had one of them. Well, obviously somebody's going to want that job if you yeah. don't have it anymore. Yeah. So, and they, and you know, and they didn't hire themselves. Like everybody, oh, you pissed that that happened. I go, he didn't hire himself or she didn't hire himself. I mean, that's just, a, hey, I know what I signed up for. Yeah. Just like when we all, when we were all strength coaches and you, it got to that point where, hey, you want to be administrative job or you want to be with that football coach and make more money. Oh, I'm going to go with football. I'll take my shot knowing that if we don't win, we'll get fired. Yeah. But I'm going to make more money and I'll take the shot. Now, that's now you're just another assistant coach. Like that's how you have to look at it. So, yeah. you know, very few circumstances in this day and age at the at the power five level, if a football coach moves on or gets fired, is is that strength coach fortunate enough to stay? Absolutely. Okay. So talk to me. As you alluded to, you've been in the game for a while now, right? And you've had a couple years where you've worked for Dynamic. So I'm interested. Sometimes when you have space from something. It, it makes you change your outlook, right? Or it makes you think a little bit more. You have some of these realizations. You're like, oh, I never saw this for what it was when I was in it. But now that I'm out of it, I see it. So what insights have you maybe had? It could be coaching, programming, anything that you've had over the last couple of years now that you're not literally in there every single day banging weights and working with people. Well, I think right at the end of my tenure with the Panthers is when – uh, you know, sports science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. What does that mean? I got a degree in health and sports science. What does that mean? It means <laughs> I'm a friggin', you know, jabroni strength coach. Like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. 
you know, we, we, and again, I'm part of that nomenclature. Let's throw out some cool terms, right? Yeah. See if it sticks. But what does that mean? High performance model. Yeah. Well, isn't elite sport high performance? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like high performance isn't running 24.5 miles on a GPS. It's how well can you perform in the sport you play? Yeah. You know, so I, I would say I've done a very good job of learning that better. Like I'm not going to be the expert. I'm going to hire an expert. It's just the way it is. I know what I'm the expert in. If you bring me into a program, I know who I have to hire to put yeah. together the best team. Yeah. That's, that's first and foremost. And I think that's one of the things we've seen, right. As, as, investment in the athletes overall development from physical to mental has evolved over time what you've seen is it's opened the door to more people getting into this space and getting a full-time job in a yeah, career true for example when we all started we were we were the data we were the sports scientist we were the counselor yeah we were return to play yeah. We were the strength coach. We were we were all these components, us and the athletic trainers, yeah. right? Because they had they had it was just us two. Yeah. And before it was us, it was just them. Yeah. Right? True. Absolutely. So in the end, so you, now what happens is you've taken somebody who's been in the game, you know, the guys who've been in the game 20, 30 years, they've done most of these jobs as part of their original job. Yes. And now the evolution is Hey, this has gotten so big, we need a nutritionist. Yep. You know, and they still may recommend, you know, peanut butter and jelly at night to gain weight, but coming from them, it's now official. Yeah, for sure. Coming from us, hey, drink a gallon of whole milk <laughs> and eat peanut butter and jelly at night, and you're gonna be good to gain weight, right? Sets of and 20 now, squats. Yeah. And and breathing squats, right? Yeah. Super squats. Yeah. You know, and then that's the way it was. But now there's somebody with credentials telling you the same thing holds a little merit and sure. it's still going down go into any friggin' well not any but go into a large majority of of football halftime or even their stack areas and there's uncrustables yeah yeah you know so you know just you know mental health right that's for real yeah depression is real stress is real like we've talked about it you you were you really might have alerted me very early on like in 2009 when we were talking like the body stress is stress to the body. Yep. Whether it comes from squatting twenty or having a fight with your girlfriend or staying up all night studying for a test. Yep. And, and the outside stressors of life, they've got to be, they've got to be accounted for. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in training an individual athlete this past six months, one on one. Like I learned that in a one on one setting. You really have to understand the entire life of that athlete yes. versus in a team setting. Now, you want to get to know a little bit about their weekly schedule, but in the end, there's always somebody there to support that person in competition. But when you're dealing with a one a one-off athlete, whether it be tennis, golf, strongman, you know, track and field, and even though it's a team setting in college, it's an individual sport. Yeah. You got to know what they're like Let's just say we we train three hours a day. Yep. You really need to learn what that other 21 looks like mm -hmm. because it's going to change the whole dynamics of their training plan. And again, that comes with, you know, different things. But now there's mental health coaches. Uh, we're bringing sports psychology. Uh, Carlo Alvarez told me this maybe my first two or three years when I was at 
the Panthers and Peter was going to get into it. He said, I'm telling you, tell him to go into sports psychology. That's the new wave. And sure enough, what's the new wave? Yeah. Yeah. Sports psychology. For sure. You know, uh, sports science, the evolution of GPS, right? Uh, we had a very good GPS performance and analyst at the Panthers. I thought, I thought he did. He learned it and he went to the next level with it. Uh, I thought he did more than what we utilize it for, and I think that's going to help him for the future. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a lot of things there that really help. One, can can show you things that the human eye can't see, but I also, what I liked it was, it reaffirmed a lot of things that I had a belief in. Yes. And I saw some of that come to fruition. And it also allowed me to develop plans that when I presented it to the team, it wasn't like, all right, what's this crazy conditioning day we're going to do now? Strength coaches just make this stuff up anyway. <laughs> and then you tell them it's based off of your yardages you get out of practice. So we're, we're streamlining it to that. We're yep. finding out, you know, that, hey, not every reps run full speed. Like, you know, they go, run full speed. You got to run 120%, which is not nothing believed, you know, it's 100 or nothing. Yeah. Right. And then what you find out is you're never running full speed or very, very rarely do you hit top speed. True. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're, you're training in these ranges. And so now you learn, okay, I don't need to yell and scream at a guy in a 3000 yard conditioning session to run all 3000 yards full speed <laughs> right. because his, his high speed running which depending on what algorithm you use and what, what depending on what GPS units you use, I think ours was based off of 80% of your highest miles per hour plus accelerations and decelerations or something yeah. to that matter. So let's just say that was 400 yards. So now you've got a unique aspect of, okay, I want to accumulate this much yardage, but I only need to focus on this yardage at these levels. Yes. And I think that's, the fun part now where that's probably the part that I've learned a lot more about that. I wish I was still in that setting to really have those discussions like, okay, what does this look like on the field on conditioning day? Yes. Like what should that look like? Like to me, it was always, well, I'm going to invest that in either change of direction or position specific work mm -hmm. or some type of football skill related is where I'm going to invest the high speed running. Then the ancillary stuff, tempo run or something to that matter, where the, the, we can have very low intensity. We just need to get yardage in for help for helping on recovery. I don't care how fast they run that. <laughs> you know, well, I, I mean, you know, hey, I want to stride. Right, I for want, sure. You know, I want to temp, you know, what, or something that looks like you're not walking. Yes. But but again, I just those are things, those are conversations that I'd like to have, you know, a lot of people are jumping on velocity-based training. I mean, we were doing velocity-based training before it was even called that. Yep. It was just called tempo unit, dynamic effort method, 0.7 meters per second, right? Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, it's evolved. Uh, I think there's, um, and we've talked about this too, and I've talked to Brian Mann, I've talked to Dr. Matt Ray, and I, I still think percentages have value. I think there's a high value in percentages but I also think now the one thing that I wish we would have done when we jumped on the train that they're doing now is we, we used the tendos back in the day just for dynamic effort. 
Yeah. Now I think there's a lot more merit in using it for your higher percentage work, yeah. like to really see what that looks like, because it's the same thing with anything else. I talked to Matt Ray about this. Like if you're using Prilipin's chart, right? Mm -hmm. And you're doing, you know, uh, optimal volume, eight sets of two at 80%. And you're going to go on, like, say, a three-minute turn. So there's very deliberate rest intervals. Well, there's merit in doing those because of the way most sports are played, right? Yeah. Multiple, multiple short bouts of exercise with a, a, a non, what's the right word I'm going to use? A non-complete rest, right? Yep. The body's not getting a full recovery. Yep. And you've got to attack it again. Yeah. Well, some people would say that, well, if you got, if it starts to fall off a certain percent, cut them. But I say I need to take them all the way through to see what their conditioning level is. Yeah. So that if I come back around and do this program again and just say like, okay, the guy goes 0 0.4, 0.4, 0.4, 0.37, 0.36, 0.3, 0.2, right? Yep. But then the next time he goes 0 0.4, 0 0.4, 0 0.4, 0 0.4, 0 0.3, 0 0.3, well, I know now he can maintain strength longer. Yep. And that's what we want in a game. Yep. So I think there's a combination of things like that. That that's I miss that. Like yeah. because I really feel like when, you know, talking with Matt, Brian Mann specifically about it is that's what I miss I, that's where we missed the boat because especially then talking with Matt, I did this conditioning test, this cluster conditioning test for football where we did 15 singles on a 35 second cluster yeah at between we started between like 85 and 88 percent and i want and i believe that was a good way to test a football player hey we're going to do a 15 play squat drive <laughs> let's see yeah. how well you can maintain strength and what we found out was from a conditioning standpoint and then neurologically right because it's a neural aspect of how the how this the, what i call the rhythm and flow state of the efficiency of the movement Yep. starts to get better even though they're tired yes we th we we saw guys setting new one rms at reps 10 11 12 13 14 15. Wow. imagine if we would have had the tendos hooked on and charted that scores too oh, what yeah. kind of what kind of how ahead of the matt ray always said i was 10 years ahead of the research back in the mid 2000s how far we would have been ahead if we were smart enough to put the tendos on max effort type work yeah instead of just using it on and, and again, I think the guys who are using it, there is value, right? I, I I think there's still a combination that has to be used with having base loads of where's the right opportunities to start and measure. Uh, a lot of people are not doing one RMs anymore, and I I, I can I can see the merit in that. Uh, I I'm going to test maximal strength, and depending on what what level of athlete I'm training. There'll, there'll be, you know, I don't know if I do uh, early on in an athlete's career, I might do some pure one, what I call pure one RM, like it looks like a meat setting. Yeah. But I, as I got older, we did a lot more what I would call training max work where we would do things like Prilipin and go off the script. Yeah. And, and see where we're at and just set a hard training max. Yeah. Because I felt that had value because I train again. I train athletes that are going to do multiple bouts of exercise, incomplete rest, and asked to do it again. And we don't know if it's going to be for one play or 15 plus. Right. And we don't know how much rest they're going to get between series. 
you know, I've seen it. I've seen a time where we were, where we had a 12 play drive. Offense comes off, you know, the 12 plays is 12 plays. You're tired. Kick the ball off. Next play's a turnover. You got to go back out. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so you got to, you know, you got to find ways to prepare in and out of the on and off the field. Yes. I think you, and, I, and that's a mindset to me. That cluster work and some of the things we did was 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 more mindset than it was physical. That hey, I know this. All my offensive and defensive linemen knew after doing that fifteen rep cluster that they felt very confident that they were well prepared and conditioned to play for as long as they needed to play. For sure, and, and that's what and that's all and that's the biggest transferable trait. How many times have we said that? Right? Yeah, confidence. Yeah. If a guy's confident or if a, if a woman's confident in her preparation, she will excel or he will excel on the data competition. For sure. So okay. I think, you know, for, so I think that's the biggest thing is watching how what used to be one or two people are now six or seven. Yep. Like I like, again, I, I've I've created these models in case I was ever in a position to be like an associate AD or a or a, a director of wellness or whatever, and I oversaw the strength staffs and where I even believe at this point in time, there's value in separating uh, your athletic training sports medicine staff with sports rehabilitation, where you have physical therapists and that's more conducive to uh, post-surgical rehab. Yeah. Have a specialist for that because I know I've seen the days the athletic trainers have. They have worse days than train coaches. Yeah. True. They and they have a lot more what I would call I don't want to call it busy work because it's too important, but you know, they've got to have their notes right. Yeah. And and now you're asking them to do they're 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 in some ways still, you know, not a jack of all trade, but they have a lot on their plate. Separate if we separate that and now the PTs, now you got a pressure pressure role. Because yeah. your role is per post surgical rehab. And then you got the nutritionist, the, the wellness, the, the director, you know, the mental health coach or however you're going to name that and the strength coach. And now you figure out, OK, where do these all line up in the return to play protocols? Like yeah. where how much involvement is each of these people in? And that's where you have that interdisciplinary approach. And then at some point, you know, at different points during that process, a different a different person is going to take the lead. Yes. And that's where somebody overseeing that and being a moderator, so there's not a lot of like infighting, which we've seen across the board for years. Oh yeah, can really be a key component towards how things are evolving. And and again, a big the biggest thing is, you know, moving forward. And some and we've seen some strength coaches be fortunate to land some of these administrative jobs. Not enough, because the problem is, what do administrators see when they see my resume? A veteran well-renowned, award-winning strength coach. And unless they talk to you and they understand what you see from a peripheral standpoint, and if you have a global perspective, that's it's tough. You, and again, that's why don't, don't let anyone tell you you don't need a network. Yeah. Because <laughs> you ain't getting a job without having a, a really solid network of people who believe in you. Love it. Okay. So obviously, you've spent... 30 some years coaching you spent some time in highland games correct you had yeah. that foray into the highland games so how on earth 
Do you go from working with football players, working collegiate pro, doing your own Highland games to coaching a world's strongest man competitor? And how did I not know about this? Like, I must be I totally know, off the radar. But that's talk to me you. about that. Talk, yeah, it that's is on, on me. It's on, on me. You, you're, you're not <laughs> I guess you're not following me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, um, I did. I've done strong. I, I have done a strongman event. Okay. And I won. And I keep this trophy on oh, my office draw because generally in strongman, you get really cool awards. And, and the yeah. gentleman who gave me this, Chad Coy, I, I've been busting him up pretty good about it. So I could, <laughs> we could have some fun. But this is really the only trophy that I have on my desk because it's a reminder of I didn't do it to win a trophy. I did it to be a competitor. Yeah. And it's just funny because in this day and age of participation awards, that's a participation trophy. Right. And it's, <laughs> and it's my first place trophy for the yeah. only strongman event I did. I, I've always been infatuated with strongman. I mean, I've been really fortunate to be exposed to it from uh, being having a good relationship with Mark Philippi back when he was at UNLV and I yep. was at Boise State. Leanne Blinn was a world's strongest woman competitor. Yeah. And she worked for me. One of my first interns at Boise State, Corey Sinclair, he came on to our powerlifting team and his goal was to get a pro card. He was he got his pro card in strongman and we 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 implemented, you know, we were one of the first schools that implemented strongman type training into a college setting yep. in the mid-90s because we did it because of budget. And Mark did it because he he saw the value in it from uh, from a training standpoint, from training himself, and it kind of grew from there. And I believe Chris Doyle might have been doing some too at like Wisconsin, and then when he went to Utah, so there was I think we would have been the three that kind of really popped it in. And then you know I spoke about training with those implements at one of the NSCA clinics in the late '90s, and that's kind of when it took off. You know, tire flipping all of a sudden became a big yeah. deal, and and all this other stuff, but I've always been infatuated. Like, you know, if you're a competitive power lifter, like we were coming out, you know, when I was done playing and you're around the strength sports, you see, you know, you saw, you know, Bill Kazmaier, John Paul Sigmorison, you know, Magnus for Magnuson, Gary Taylor, Yoko Aholo, Rico Curie, you know, Swen Carlson, uh, Dan Reinhardt, Bruce Wilhelm, Franco Colombo, Lou Ferrigno. I mean, all these dudes, you know, uh, Ken Patera. Yeah. I mean, these guys were all, you know, I, I, there's some, uh, obviously there's a lot more Jeff Capes, you know, all these guys competed. I've always been infatuated and I've, and I've always been infatuated with that kind of strength because to me, yeah, you have to train and possibly lift weights. But to me, that's what, I, that's like, to me, that's grown man, farm boy, yeah, God given strength. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, my, my respect for that is I feel like I'm a, I'm a decently strong natural athlete, but no, but I'm a, I'm weight room strong. Like, yeah. you know, like my relative strength is poor. Uh, the, my capabilities to do things with just my body weight are nowhere near what they should be. Right. And that's why I built block zero for my own kids. And that's why I believe in, Hey, you don't get them lifting weights. Believe me, from a from a health standpoint and from uh, a physical standpoint and a maturation standpoint, I don't care how old they are. If they haven't lifted weights yet, start them off with this, learning how to manipulate their body. Yeah, uh, I would love to be able to do anything close to a pistol squat. 
Yeah. Hell, I I have a hard enough time doing body weight rear foot elevated squats, right? Yeah. You know, I would love to be able to do a, a pull up. You know, I think the best I ever did in college was seven, and that's because I worked with a high intensity strength coach, so we always ended on negative chins and dips. Mm. So yep. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why, like, even even my my youngest son was wasn't as hard gainer as my oldest, but my excuse my youngest son was a hard gainer. My youngest my oldest son was very athletic, but like that's why I tell to this day I've told Peter, always do your you don't want to lose the capability of how hard you work to do chin ups. Yeah. So always make sure you do them because they're use it or lose it exercises. Yeah. You know like. Uh, my son Joe did so many pistol squats growing up. Like he could walk in here cold right now and do one if he hadn't done one in a month or two months. But the, like, but unlike other people, my son Joe, he he got where we went in the weight room and did curls and benches. He's doing glute ham raises, Nordic leg curls, climbing a rope and doing pistol squats, right? Yeah. And push ups and all this. Where we're in there doing curls and bench <laughs> and you know drinking coffee because that's what the bodybuilders did. Yeah. So. I've always been very respectful of that space. And I've, and it's just funny, like how many people I've worked with that wound up being wanting to be strong in the, in the strong man profession or strong woman profession. So in two, man, I can't, it's, you know, when you get you, I, I'm not, I'm going to screw the data. Let's say somewhere in that 2005, 2006 area. Okay. We have, we are, we're going through our internship program and Josh Storms and Leanne Blinn are doing all the internship interviews. And we had a pretty strong internship program before most. And those guys did a great job. All my internship coordinators did a great job. But one of them was you had to send in a video of yourself coaching some deals, yeah, coaching some exercises. So they come in and say, hey, man, we got this really good uh, what do you want to call it? We got a really good prospect. Seems know what he's doing, but he, he, we can't, we don't know what he looks like. He's like some kind of gigantor. His body doesn't fit in the screen. We can't <laughs> see what it. So when he filmed it, I guess the way they filmed it, they must've not checked it. His, he, he was coaching, but they couldn't see his head. Oh they my. just saw this giant dude. Right. So yeah. that's, so I think it was Josh Storms who really gave him the, or Leanne, one of them gave him some, the, the, the Nick. So he got nicknamed Giganto before we ever met him. <laughs> so the guys happened to, guy happened to be Brian Shaw. So Brian walks in and you just see this monster walk in and go, oh, that's Gigantor. Let's go. <laughs> so, so Brian played basketball in college was at this point in time, obviously was looking to be a strength coach. Uh, he comes, we come out, he does his internship uh, long story short, he does a good job. There was a position open at another school. He was going to take it. Then he was like, ah, I don't know. And we we offered him a GA spot. So we'll just stay here. We got a GA spot. Stay here and work for us. Right. And, you know, very, it was very, very fast after that. And during this time, he's training with us in the summer. Like, we're teaching him stuff. I mean, he just raw, like big, strong, brute, raw you know, six, eight, three twenty-five, athletic, you know, all that. And he comes to us and goes, Hey, I don't know if I can keep 
this job. You know, this is paraphrase. He goes, I, I just think there's something I need to, I need to see this through and I want to be world's strongest man. I want to go and, and compete and be, yeah, and try to be the world's strongest man. Now you say that, that's a, that's a big words. Like, yeah. it's not like, Hey, I'm going to go shoot for my pro card. Right. Right. It's like, no, I, I'm going to go shoot to be the world's strongest man. So, you know, who am I to say no? Right. Just like, right. Okay, brother, good luck. And, you know, so he went, you know, he went, he went for it. And obviously he now considered, if not the best, he's going, his name is going to be in the conversation of who's the greatest strongman that ever walked the planet. Right. Based off of what he's accomplished from wins and what he's done for the sport as, as, as a whole, as an ambassador, is even more impressive than what he what he's done to me uh, as a competitor. So, you know, I, I don't know if we felt we kind of we cut, we kind of cut to touch a lot. Like, and then when text messaging things like that, it was easier. And I and I'd always, especially later on, like the la you know the last five to six years at least for sure. I'd always hit him up after events, you know, congratulating him, you know, and all. If he got hurt, checking on him. And if I saw something on, you know, YouTubes or something like that, send him a little, hey, man, you might want to think about this or you're doing this. And so we've always, it wasn't like we had fallen off the, the ladder or fallen off the wagon. We've, we were been in conversations back and forth throughout the years. And then, you know, he, he pulled, he's been having these hamstring issues with uh, one particular deadlift bar, one particular deadlift deal. I think that was frustrating him. And for the most part, he's got a really good team with him. He's got some people who are extremely loyal to him. And I think he was just looking for some more help. Like, yeah. And because he had done most of his programming himself, his whole career. And, you know, we were talking about, I can't remember how the conversation went. Then he finally just asked, Hey, would, would you consider being my strength coach for this run at my fifth title? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. If you think that I'm a guy, you think I can help you? I'll do whatever I can. Yeah. But I also knew that I knew what I was strong at. I knew what I wasn't strong at. Like, so I told him, I said, this isn't about me. This is about us. Like, you're going to need, I'm going to need you to lean on you when it comes to event stuff. Yep. I'm not as polished as you are. And that's, that's why like programming now for this next event is for me, I feel not that I wasn't confident because, you know, he's, when somebody's trained himself for that many years and has won four times, the guy knows something. Right. I'm going to learn something from him as much as he would learn from me. So it was a good team, a lot of back and forth. Uh, sometimes we were on the same page, sometimes we weren't. But in the end, if we weren't, I deferred to him yep. because it's his deal, right? Yep. He's the one that's going out there. And he's got to be confident in what we're doing. But this now I feel a lot better because I understand the events more, but I also understand loading. Dave Tate, and I think you would be, you might remember these types of conversations with Dave when you talk about how do you train an elite level power lifter if you've never lifted that much weight, right? Like yep. there's something to that, right? Yeah. Like if you're a single ply lifter, you have a hard time coaching a multi ply lifter. For sure. You know, you can coach a raw lifter. Yeah. But you ain't coaching a, a triple ply squat suit lifter. It's different. Yeah. And like for me, that was my biggest. 
It's like when I went to the NFL. Up until the time I went to the NFL, I'd always played at the highest level I coached. Yes. I was a D1 athlete. So no matter where I went outside of professionals, I could hold my own because I was a D1 athlete. Yep. Now you walk into an NFL locker room, playing D1 is like Pop Warner to those dudes. Right. And rightfully so after watching it. So you keep your mouth shut and now you're like, man, how am I going to earn these dudes respect? And that was the same thing here. How am I going to earn Brian's respect when I don't understand what that means to deadlift a thousand pounds, you know, I, you know, and I'm programming stuff and like, say it says 675 or 700, I'm like, golly, that's a lot of weight. And then you're like, well, at his best, that's like 70%. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was, and maybe I was overthinking that, but that was a major concern for me. Like I took that to heart, like, cause I don't know what that's like. Like, I would study a lot of stuff on YouTube, not necessarily how well he was lifting, like the lifting technique, but like one, one tape in particular that I studied a lot was it was from the Arnold. He was getting ready to deadlift like 1050 and they just happened to do, it, would, it seemed like a 30 seconds clip of just focusing on him before the lift, like his face. Mm-hmm. And I'm just studying like, okay, what is going through this guy's mind? Like, is it is it very similar to a guy like me who's getting ready to deadlift 600 for the first time? Or is it you got to be in such a different mental state Yeah. To, to get to that point where you're going where they said the human body shouldn't go? Yep. And what's happening now when you watch this is it's so incredible to me, Mike, and you're a former power lifter and still train hard is how when how the body or how the human uh whatever the right word is how the human mind across the the world responds athletically when they see a barrier being broken like mm-hmm. you know was it Roger ba- Bannister yeah breaks the, the four, four minute, minute mile, mile right yep. what two weeks later boom it's broken again or some yep. something very quick right yes well in our world if you remember, deadlifting 400 kilograms when we started powerlifting, you were a boss. Like, yeah. there wasn't many. No. But now, who doesn't deadlift 400 kilograms? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm not talking about just giants, 165ers. No. This, you know, it's like, and again, there's a, it's like everything else, right? It is what it is. The games change. It's not a stiff bar. Like, I just saw another company make a 10 foot bar deadlift bar you talk about the flex on that oh yeah you know and then you know some of the the different ways that bars flex and so yeah you might pull 881 but before the bar breaks the ground you're at 13 inches yeah. or you're or yeah. you're at 18 inches but whatever i don't care it's like i remember when 400 kilogram deadlift there weren't many people doing that like no. even deadlifting over 800 yeah now 400 kilograms it's like you better be deadlifting 400 kilograms. <laughs> right. Well, and now, and now, like in strongman, right? When Brian first started, chasing a thousand was huge. Yep. They they had a when they have that one event overseas where six dudes pulled a thousand in the same meet. You know, and now they're chasing you know eleven eleven hundred. They're chasing the five oh five kilograms. Yeah. So that that's where I had to wrap my head around most. 
And then the programming itself, and we're doing something very unique for this, for this particular programming moving into the next event because of life issues, like we yeah. talked about, like learning life, uh, knowing the eight, you know, the, your athletes, different athletes have different, different lives. They, yeah. they have di- their days are built differently. But as I continue to stay involved in this and, and hopefully, you know, working with Brian and, you know, if I get the opportunities to work with others, I'll be able to dial in events, lifts, how to, how to rotate them in the off season, yep. how to, how to rot how, how do they evolve or how do I structure it during the, during the comp phase. And then when it really gets tight, it's all, you know, do we go all in like, Hey man, we got dial it in. We're going to go, we're going to do mock runs and, so it's been good, and it's just crazy that your first opportunity to do this, you're doing it with the greatest. Yeah. Doesn't and happen very often. No. So, and again, his goal was to win. My goal was to help him win. We came in fourth. That's on me. Like, he won't say that, and, and I appreciate that, but I take, I take value in what our goal was. Right. I know how hard he worked regardless of you know outside stressors and he he did the he did the best he could with everything else going on and that's all you can ask yeah and and we came up a little bit short the question is you know what what does that look like to him right what what's going what's his next what's his he's got you know what's his big decision as it moves forward because the the game has changed just like everything else. The depth of greatness in world's strongest man is at a high, high level. Yep. This year, the field was stacked. I mean, Brian came in fourth. You can say what you want. He's a 40-year-old man. He has the most top five finishes in world's strongest man history. He's one, he's one place off the podium. And in the end, I, I look at it different as a coach. You always want your athlete to be on the top of the podium. For sure. But there's a reason why there's a podium. You want podium finishes, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. how I look at. It. Like, get on the podium. Like my, my, like with my son, he came in third place in the in the uh, Sun Belt Conference in the Hammer, his junior year. That's a podium finish. They yeah. can't take that away from you. Yeah. You're a bronze medalist. That's the best you could be on that day. That's from a kid that wasn't even supposed to be on the college track team. Right. You know. So for me. You know, you want to chase the championship. And then when you look at the depth of the finals in particular, there was four former champions entering the finals. And those four champions came in first, second, third, and fourth. So it was stacked. You know, Tom Stoltman, who won, he won back-to-back. Tremendous athlete. Another 6'8", 400-pounder. But he's tw- he just turned 28 the day after he wins. Yeah. And the, he's the first Definitely. guy to go back-to-back since Brian, yeah. right? Second-place finisher, Martins Lisi's. Tremendous athlete. I don't know if you've seen him. He's been on, like, some of the videos with Dr. Horshig, Dr. Squat, mm. you know, Squat University. His mobility and flexibility for a, a human that big is unprecedented. What, he, what he's able to do, balance, coordination, depth in his squat, uh, pistol squats. I mean – Wow. There's a reason why he's a world's strongest man and Arnold champion. Very few guys have both. Yep. He comes in second. I think he's uh, 31. And then 
Alexei Novikov from the Ukraine who won it in 2020. He's 26. He's about six foot, six one, 300 pounds. So a little bit smaller than these other guys. And then Brian at six, eight, you know, four plus he's 40. So, you know, and then the, and then the gentleman who came in fifth, Max Boudreaux, he was third the year before. The guy, the guy who came in sixth, Trey Mitchell, he was fourth the year before. So wow. you see what I'm – I mean, the thing was stacked. Stacked, stacked. And, yeah. And, and it's only getting more stacked. Like, you see some of these other guys that didn't make the finals, and you're like, you know, they're, they're one event – they're one event two places. They get two place, two points more, and they're in the finals. Yeah. And, you know, so it's really – it's crazy. And then, and you know, and being a part of someone's team is different than being a spectator. Like I got sure. to see some cool stuff behind the scenes, watch, watch the professionalism of my athlete and how meticulous he is in his preparation at night, preparing his bag for the, for the day's events. I mean, just like little intricate things that you don't think of that he's ahead of the game. Yeah. And on top of that, the respect that the other athletes have for him because of what he's done for the sport and the fact that he's willing to stand up for their rights in so some respects. Yeah. Was that that to me was more impressive than his ability to go out there and compete for five days in a six day period with with young kids. I think the yeah. you know, Mark Felix, who's one of my heroes, was in his group. Mark's my age and he's still competing at World's Strongest Man. He's, this is his 17th appearance. And he's actually 56, but he was born the same year as me. His birthday, my birthday falls in October. And he and he won, the, he set a world record in the wrecking ball hold for like two minutes and 20 seconds. The guy's holding on like a uh, a short straight arm curl bar, like a tricep yeah. press down bar, holding a 500 pound wrecking ball. And he went two minutes and 20 seconds. Oh my he, smoked, he smoked the car walk, a uh, 950 pound car walk. Uh, and it was very impressive. He, in the deadlift ladder, he did the first three loads with no straps, and then pulled the fourth with straps. You know, so the fourth was 800 pounds at 56. Wow. And then you know, and then Luke Stoltman was 37. But then after that, I'm not super sure because I didn't have the ages of all. But I think all the rest of them are in their 20s or low 30s. Yeah. So yeah, so that's, uh, and I'm excited. Like. And, it, and not have, you know, being out of coaching, the chance that I got, like, I'm thankful that I got that opportunity because, you know, now I'm in that coaching mode at night, right? Pulling out yeah. my charts. Yeah. That's like, all right, how do I, how do I dial this in for this guy? Like, how, I mean, he's, he's, tr- he's trusting me, man. He's counting on me to make sure that I got this thing going. And I like that. Like I missed it and it was good. Yeah. So it was a good, you know, it was luckily for me again, I have a great role. I was able to fit it into my schedule and invest that time. And, and like I told you off air, uh, I, I, now I understand the, the, the new virtual coaching, right? Yeah. Like online, yeah. what, what the online coaching space is, right? Where, what, what can you offer a high level athlete where you're not in the same town as him? Like, what does that look like? Like what, how many, you know, when it comes to here's the program, right? I need uh, then video analysis, you know, like, you know, you do a video, like for Brian, there's a, there was a couple of times where 
on video analysis because we're doing slow-mo and voiceover, you know, uh, uh, eight minute video might take two hours to get done. Yeah, for sure. You know, so you're doing the editing, you're making sure you're saying the right, you know, trying to learn the cues, like building mental cues that, that work for him. Right. Yes. It may work for me, but Hey, let's see if this cue works. Right. You know, we found one late when I, you know, how many times during a, a program do you need to fly out and be with them? Like one of the best sessions that I think we had was when I was out there. Yeah. And a lot of it probably was it just, it all fell in the right place. We had good training partners with us. Uh, we had Gabe, Gabe Pena, who was in the world's strongest man and in Brian's group and Nick Best, who's my age, who competes at a high level and is hoping to get back to world's strongest man next year. So we had a good group in there, but Brian had a great week and, we had learned something with his behind the head push jerk, just one simple term, pop, pop the feet. And all of a sudden it got springy. Hmm. And and we and we were able to set a PR at the event and just miss 500. So yeah, it's crazy, man. These dudes are just like, it's just like, yeah, yeah what we do. I think uh, Novikov did two, 240 behind the neck push jerk. So that was, was it? 28? Yep, something like that. And he had more in him. Like when you, I've got a lot of the videos that I was told I can't put them out by World's Strongest Man until July 9th when they launched his shows. Yeah, sure. But it was, he, he had more. Wow. And somebody had said in training he had done 250. I could see that. Like, I could, I could see that. He split jerked it too. Him, him and Lisi split jerked. Two guys went from the front, which that was tough. Yeah. Uh, then most everybody else did a snatch grip because they're so big. Yeah, uh, did a snatch grip behind the neck push jerk, push press. We were more of a push presser. Yeah. Uh, Tom Stoltman did two thirty six. He push pressed it easy. Uh, Lisi split jerked uh, two two thirty, and then Novikov split jerked to two forty. But yeah, I and again, what what you also know too, this is the first time I've coached an athlete where the weight room mattered. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, you got to do 700. And what do you have to do? You got to do 350 pound car deadlift for reps. You better be able to deadlift 350. Yeah. You got to exactly. do 50 kilogram. You know, it's not like, yeah. oh, yeah, Johnny tight end missed 400 on the bench today. It's not going to affect what he does Sunday. That's right. <laughs> That's right. My guy benches, my guy got a bench, you know, it's like training powerlifter. My guy misses 400. He ain't getting on the platform. Yeah, exactly. He's he not podium this week. So that was a challenge too, knowing that, hey, what you're doing is going to have a direct correlation to what he competes at. Yes. Yes. And, it, you know, then watching that, like, we, you know, powerlifting, it's just, it's hard on the body. Like, the fact that they're already one guy that didn't make the finals but was at World's Strongest Man all week, he competed in like Britain's Strongest Man the very next weekend. And and these guys are already training for other meets. And I'm like, shoot, they need another week off. Right, right. You know, so that's – I've learned a lot. It's been really cool. I can't thank Brian enough for for bringing me on because I think there's some maybe, – maybe I got some more to show other people. Yeah, in different ways in the sport. Next year it's at Myrtle Beach, so it's like forty minutes from my condo. And there like, you go. I'm like, man, I wonder if he's going to do it again. Let's go, man, run it back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we'll see it again. It'll be when you're that close, and when he does his own debrief, 
you know, because I sent him my debrief. It was like six pages long and what I, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? That's right. part of being honest with your athlete and honest with yourself. Yep. I'll, I'll be interested to hear his, like yeah. how he how he determined how everything looked and how it all went um, because that's the story to tell, right? It's his. It's his yep. story to tell. And, and I was very, very fortunate that I was allowed to see what that looks like. We had a really good team. Uh, James Newsom was his handler, and James has been with them for four years. So it was with the way they limited passes for like coaching passes and stuff. We just, you know, that was the best decision for us. It wasn't for me to be back there. I don't. I've never handled him before. Yeah. The last thing I need him to do is worry about if I know what the f I'm doing with tacky, what shoes to wear, and right. But I was able to be in his room when they packed it. When uh, I was there in the morning when they reviewed the pack, you know, I'm carrying his bags out to the bus for him. So I got to see all that. I got to learn all that. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Steve Foshin was kind of my voice and my eyes and ears that he was there a lot with Brian's training sessions. And he was able to give me really good feedback because again, as you know, there's a difference when you can have a 360 view versus, hey, turn the, turn the camera at 45, and then I'm watching the same view for most of the session where if you're there, man, I'm, you're, I'm a three, I'm going to, I'm going to be flowing. You're moving, moving. Yeah. So those are things that you have to understand when you sign up for this, right? Is, yeah. And that's why it's depending on, you know, obviously everything's financially based sometimes is depending on how the program's structured and how you're you're able to do it financially, what's what's the right amount of times to get out there and what's that space look like? Like I I thought after being there and watching how we went under ideal situations, get out there once every six weeks. Yep. Under ideal. Uh in the off season, once to, one out of eight. And then if it's a really crucial time, like, you know, like a world's strongest man, again, if able, and again, a lot of it is distance, right? If it's, yeah. if it's shorter distance, it's easier. Like from what I gather, the gentleman who trains the, the reigning champ and his brother, the Stoltman brothers, he lives a long way away also, like hours. So he doesn't get up there much either. They're relying the same thing as everybody else from what I gather. You know, a lot of, a lot of coaching, a lot of, you know, sending stuff through the internet, sending videos back and forth, making adjustments. And, you know, that's, that, you know, and again, that's hard because the athlete's still relying a lot on himself then when he's in there and, and you're waiting to hear feedback on a text or an email and sending videos. Yep. But that's the space we're in. You know, I think, you know, not that we want to rehash it because it's still out there a little bit, the whole COVID pandemic and things like that, but that's changed the way people train, right? Uh, the sure. home gym phenomenon and training a home and, and, and the non-commercial gym space has changed. Yeah. You know, gyms like yourself are a little different. They're private. Right. But the commercial setting, I mean, when, especially now with some of them being, you know, depending on where you go, how much it costs for a yearly, I'll take that thousand and buy my own equipment. Exactly. Convert exactly. my garage or a spare bedroom into a little studio. For sure. Okay, man. Running up against the clock here. I know my kids are going to start yelling at me soon, but I got one more question <laughs> for you. One more question. 
What's we next? always set records. I always. Set I know records. you do I set records. <laughs> what's what's next, man? I mean, thirty-three yeah, I years in, yeah. you've done you've done it all, man. Like, really, you've done it all. You've educated. You've coached. You've done every level: public sector, private sector. Like, what's next to tackle, man? I want to be an advocate to the younger strength coaches. Um, you know, and, and and again, I have a very good job. They treat me great. Uh, wherever wherever that wherever that leads, we'll see. You know, there's a lot of ways we can evolve this position. Uh, you can never say never in coaching. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. It's because it's because it's a people business. The right people get the job, and you, you might have an opportunity to be hard to pass up. I do. I do like. I, I enjoyed it tremendously being in the strongman world uh, and seeing it. I don't know where that's going to go. That be that's going to be interesting. And just to, you know, continue to build relationships with people you believe in. You know, me and you run it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean that we. I think there'd be a lot of people again to see where we've evolved from and and what we've done and how we've expanded on it. Right, like yeah, stick sure. with it. Like I've always said, man. The tier system's a template. I'm going to do a lot of cool things, but that template's not changing. Right. You know, it's kind of like with you, you know, hey, I'm going to do a lot of cool things, but the seven R's is the seven R's. And yep. what, what falls in those seven R's, man, there's a lot of cool stuff I'm I'm figuring out, right? Yep, and, absolutely. And that's, and that's kind of the cool stuff about it, where a lot of times we see these strength coaches jumping ship real quick. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you, you're not going to see the – world change in eight weeks in strength and conditioning or a strength training program or, or the development of an athlete. And, you know, I, I'm very, there's a lot of very smart strength coaches out there right now. Like some of the stuff, if you can decipher the manure, there's a couple of kids out there and they're kids to me. Um, that's not a disrespectful term. No. Um, there's a couple of guys out there, man. I just love what they put out. Like, and I, I've been fortunate enough that I was able to meet a couple of them. So now I have even more respect of what they're doing and how they're doing it. And and that's, you know, now the big thing is, can you, it's like we talked about in the end though, can you win? Right. Like yeah. all this stuff is great. Kids are all bought in. You get all these great, uh, you know, KPIs, but there's only one KPI that wins that matters. And it's the win loss record. And that's yep. the tough part of our job. Like we've yep. got to accept that. So I, I, I mean, for me, you know me, man. I always got my. I'm on. I'm a global. I look like this, man. I got big perspectives. Yep. Always looking the peripheral. I, I just, to me, I want to be a really. I want to be with my grandkids more than I do, but that's hard for me because I just live my life is. I just do things that just don't put me sometimes in the right spot. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, I want to. You know, working from home has been tough. We've talked about that. Like you know, the routine part. I've taking me a while to figure that out, but I got my grandkids are here. So, uh, they're, I think today's their last day of school. So I'll probably see them this weekend. And my oldest son lives right down the road. So I got, you know, I got a lot of things that I want to do that kind of encompass everything, but there's never not going to be a day that I ain't doing something when it comes to training or talking training. Cause that's really like, people go like, what's your hobby? I like lifting weights. Right. Right. Like, well, well, what's your job? Watching guys lift weights. Right. That's your hobby. I, I don't, hey man, it's, you know, like, what do you like to eat? I can eat the same thing every day. Like yeah. I just, you know, and, and uh, it's, so it's a, it's an interesting question to pose. It's a hard one for me to answer, but I do know this. I, in the end, 
what what I've learned, and I can be upfront and honest. Hey, man, I've always said I reserve the right to be wrong, and it's my opinion. Yeah, but I've sure. earned the I've earned the right to say my opinion out loud. Yeah, and hopefully, whether you agree or disagree with it, it at least gives you the ab- ability to stimulate some thought. Yes, and be able to understand that, man. What's going on in this field and in this space is evolving exponentially, kind of like the high school strength coaches, right? When we came out, man, what's a high school strength coach? Now, there's some of those weight rooms and jobs are better than college jobs. For sure. And you're seeing more and more high college guys like, I'm not doing this. This is, These people, I'm going to go have a quality of life and still be able to do what I do. And that's that's the big deal is that. So I'll be interested to see how a lot of this changes. There's some really smart people out there that I respect a lot. There's a lot of young kids that need people like us giving them direction instead of just feeding them, you know, what, what they want to hear and, or what you think they need to hear. Yep. You need to tell them the, the, all their options. Like, yes. Hey man, if school matters, go to school. Yep. If you want to be a coach then you got to coach, but you got to know, here's what's going to, here's where the rubber is going to meet the road. Yep. And are you able to sacrifice financially, uh, whether you got a relationship, yep. how's that going to look? Because that's why you see people bounce around or, or don't last as long. Uh, fortunately for me, I've lasted a long and we've had, I've had really good runs, but I've been around a lot of really good people to help me get there too. Yes. Right. Yes. That's what, you know, it's like, you know, and then, and then people don't know what they don't know. Right. Oh, house. I want to be you. What you want to move seven times. <laughs> I have, cause let me, I haven't ever moved. Yeah. My wife's moved seven times. My wife's put seven my kids into school seven times. Yeah. My wife's pulled them out of school seven times. Yep. My wife bought all my houses. My wife sold all my houses. Like that's not right. Like, yeah, some of that stuff sounds like oh man, what? But that's you know, she's she's her burden has been worse than mine. Yeah. Hey, I'm taking a new job. Yeah, we're making more money, but I'll see you in six months. Right. And then she's got to worry why the kids are pissed off because their dad's not around because he had to start a new job. And, you know, so those are, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to it than yeah. just uh, running out to the Super Bowl 50. Yeah. Or, or working with the world's strongest man. I mean, those are highlights, but, but there's a lot of things that are behind the curtain that people need to understand. It's, it's like Rocky said, right? The world ain't always sunshine and rainbows, brother. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Crazy man. world, man. It is. It is. But dude, this has been awesome. Always great to catch up. Yeah, good with to you. catch up. Yes. Where can my listeners find out more about you? Uh, uh, BigHousePower.com. Yep. And we're we're due for a renovation. You know, we haven't we didn't even talk about the reinforcement piece. We're getting ready to launch the reinforcement course for head yes. and neck support, uh, neck training and strength training for neck and head support that you were a big influence on the way we program our stuff. The reinforcement is. P- specifically from the R programming model and we're getting ready where it's in editing. Now we're looking to get that there as, 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 as soon as we can. And then big house power. I'm, I'm mostly an Instagram guy. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I kind of float Twitter, but to be honest with you, man, I'm spending most of my time on Instagram. It just seems like that's the best, uh, social media outlet for strength for strength training and fitness because of what you could you know you're not limited in your characters yeah you're not 
you're, you know, now with the reels, like I've found that reels for me is a better reach yep, me than too. the stories and stories and reels is what I've been investing in. And it's kind of paid off. And, and then again, and I'm pretty good at answering the DMS. I mean, I, I'm going to write a new rap song. It goes down in the strength coach DM. On <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then if you are going to ask about a job, I'm probably going to give you a real email address. Cause that's more, you know, that's more professional. Don't hit me up with sending a resume through Instagram DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Ask me for my email address. And, <laughs> but I mean, but, but again, Mike, right. You know, we used to laugh about that. Don't contact me through social media, but if that's how everybody communicates, yeah. then guess how you got to contact them. Hell, I'll do it now. I know. And reach out to people on contacting through direct messaging on Twitter or Instagram. Me too. So, yeah. And then, you know, again, man, uh, Always great. When you asked me to come back on, I was like, you know that. <laughs> uh, Andy McCloy's still a boss. But he's not the not, boss not, of bosses. Hey, he's not the bigger boss than us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, great catching up. And let, let's uh, let's let, let's chop it up, man. Maybe we should do something maybe next year, 2023. I love it, man. We'll get it on the books. Yeah, we got to figure out what city to move it into, man. We got to maybe ex- expand it out there to the big timers. I love it. All right, man. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Dude, my pleasure. Later, brother. Oh. All right, my friend. That does it for this week's episode with Joe Ken. Really hope you enjoyed it. I love catching up with this guy. I realize our episodes that we do together tend to trend a little bit long, but hopefully that's because... There's so much good information, right? And I love the way Joe talks because, you know, there's a lot of stories in there. There's a lot of reflection in there. It's not just, hey, do this, do this, do this. It's, you know, hey, I did this and here's what I learned from it. So I love that aspect of how he talks and I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I think one of my favorite parts of this episode was just the fact that you can see 30 some years into the game, like Joe is still learning. He's still putting himself out there. He's trying new things. You know, I couldn't imagine going into world's strongest man. You know, he competed in a little bit. He had a little bit of a background in Highland games, but this was not his forte. So this is something totally new, but he put himself out there to continue to grow and evolve. And I think that's just one of the many reasons I have so much respect for Joe and everything he does. So if you enjoyed this episode, do me a small favor. If you're not already subscribed to the show, Go to wherever you consume podcasts and do that right now. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon Store. Again, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now. Hit the subscribe button. It'll take all of two seconds, and you'll know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you, and we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.